welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1045. Thank you so much if you came out to Helium in Philly or to the Funny Bone in Columbus. Uh, the Wizard Guitar Tour has been really fun so far, and it seems like people are also excited to see the actual Wizard Guitar. So I will be bringing it to the Punchline in San Francisco, Feb 27 through 29, March 5 through 7 at the Punchline in Sacramento, uh, then March 21st at the Brea Improv in California, and then March 26th through 28th at Helium in Portland. And then there's a bunch of other dates after that. So if you go to id10t.com slash tour, you can get uh, tickets and info on that. I hope to see you there. But let's talk about the ID10T Community Cork Board, events at id10t.com. Riley writes, my name is Riley Peterson, and I released a six-song EP last year about the trials and tribulations of a rather unconventional storybook relationship. Uh, it's what I like to call sad boy coffeehouse music, influenced by John Mayer, Julian Baker, Frank Turner, and Scott Hutchinson. I haven't done much to get it out there, but it's something I'm proud of and love to share with all of you. Uh, it's available on all streaming platforms under Riley Peterson. That's Peterson with an E-N, Peterson. Uh, genuinely hope you enjoy. Riley, that's fantastic. I hope uh, we can generate some some uh, some more downloads and listens and activity, and I hope you get to tour. Uh, so that is really, really, really well done. Congratulations on completing that. And again, uh, if you've completed your thing or someone else's thing that you want to promote, events at ID10T.com. This episode is Jesse Tyler Ferguson, uh, who I had met, we had met in passing several times over the years, but had never really sat down and had a conversation, and he was an absolute delight. I mean, I, I just... I'm so excited for his upcoming Extreme Makeover, which is premiering February 16th. Uh, it is on HGTV. And if you were an Extreme Home Makeover fan, then I think you would probably be excited too. And he's just such a uh, an empathetic and compassionate guy. And that is what this show needs. So I am so glad that he is uh, that he is taking up the helm over at Extreme Makeover. So Feb 16, we will keep an eye on that. That's coming up soon. And then also the last season of Modern Family, which is now on ABC Wednesdays at 9 p.m. At the recording of this podcast, I don't think they had shot all the episodes, but they might have by now. So isn't that crazy? 11 seasons of Modern Family. Congratulations to Jesse and to uh, everyone in the cast of that show. Uh, who all seem just lovely. And the other fun thing is that Jesse and I uh, traded pops. We both had pop toys, and we signed them and traded them. Uh, it's a fun kind of nerdy thing to do. So thank you to Jesse. You, your pop toy is now uh, on, I have a, a, a big like ADAT bookshelf in my office, and then there's a bunch of classic ones on there. There's a, there's a couple of uh, Lucy Ricardo ones on there. And now you've joined the, uh, the Pop Television Hall of Fame in my office. So thanks for the pop, Jesse. And now let us begin the ID10T Podcast number 1045 with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Initiating ID10T Protocol. This room was not. This room was a cavity in the house, 
and the previous owner said, oh, there's a cavity in the house. Ha- this was a concrete wall, and he said there's a cavity. This was just like a... a- there was nothing. I posted a whole bunch of Instagram stories on it, and so you can see it go from... And it's on my profile. You can see it go from a wall yeah. to they jackhammered through a little hole, and you can see there's like, you know, seven feet of dirt and construction garbage from 100 years ago, and then... Um, and then we dug it out and then turned it into a, a room. That's insane. Yeah, because it's all concrete, so I thought it would be a good, you know, like a good soundproof uh-huh. room. Or a, or like a, a bunker. Or a bunker. When, when, when the time comes. Yeah. Or a... Um, <laughs> a fallout shelter. Or a secret <laughs> amateur taxidermy room. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all those are great. Squirrel let's start. Let's, we'll, should we turn the podcast room into a taxidermy yeah. room? <laughs> it, it could do double yeah. duty. Yeah. Yeah, we could do... We could turn it into amateur taxidermy and also uh, into a podcast room. But I, I don't know why only recently... Because you've been scheduled to do the podcast for quite a while, yeah. and it, we were on vacation um, over the holidays, and you know we just had the HGTV app on because I have a little Roku right. stick. We take it to all the hotels we're in so we can watch all yeah, of our yeah, stuff. Yeah. Smart. The HGTV app was on, and a commercial for Extreme Home Makeover Home Edition came on. I was like, "Is that Jess? Are you hosting? Yeah, and you are. Yeah, you're hosting one of the greatest renovation shows <laughs> in the history of television. That's insane. I know." I know. How yeah. did that... Wait, are we going? Yes. Oh, is, fuck yes. Yes. <laughs> now that we're talking about the show, we should just launch into it. How did you get involved with this show? Um, it is crazy that I'm the host. It's sort of like the, throughout the entire process, it was, it was like a two-month process. Um, we did 10 episodes over the course of that, I guess, I guess about 10 weeks. And every day I would wake up and be like, I cannot believe that they've trusted me to be the host of this like pretty valuable property. Oh my god, um, it's iconic. Yeah, it's crazy. Um it was uh I don't fully know how I ended up being asked. <laughs> and I remember sitting down with um some of the executives because I got a, basically it was just an email that came in saying we're interested in Jesse doing this and I have been approached to do other reality TV, but it never felt right. Um I'm a pretty active cook mm-hmm. in the kitchen and so you know I've, I Food Network had come up to me with a a few ideas and nothing seemed like something I wanted to spend my time doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm an activist. I love, um, I, I love humanitarian work. And so when this came to me, I was like, this is sort of like, I, I appreciate design. I appreciate renovation. Um, I think it's exciting, but also that aspect of getting to meet people who need something and be able to give them that thing that they need is like, what a gift. Oh, you're a dream genie. Like, yeah. you just get to come in and, like, wave over. I mean, Truly. I know there's a lot of work, but in theory, just sort but of I like, am, wave a wand and, like, make someone's life I am better. the person who gets to sort of show up first and be like, we're going to do this for you. And then I sort of step aside and let, like, the professionals actually sure. do the work. And then I get to come in and be like, let's look at this stuff together. It's it's just, really the front – it's a front row seat to, like, the, the best of humankind. As you probably know, having worked in the business for a long time, a lot of jobs come with like you're 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 generally sort of weighing the balance between upside and downside. And if the upside outweighs the downside, then yeah. you tend to agree to do stuff. There's literally no downside There's to this no, job. I mean, the downsides are literally the heat and like <laughs> you know the, the the when when you're just like physically tired and you're yeah. building a home, but like. Uh, you know, I don't get involved with that too much, but like literally we were working in the hottest part of the summer in the hottest areas of California. So that was like the one downside, but you know, all of that work is being put into 
this family and these families that, that really need something. And the stories that we, we, we found, these families that we found to help are just really remarkable. And um, I know the show is, you know, was on t- television for, I think, um, I think nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're sort of picking up where they left off, but it really is a reboot. It really is. It feels like a first season of a show. And um, so I was really, I was really impressed with the families that they found in this first season. It's a really strong group of stories that we get to tell yeah and that's really what it is it's a story it's a family story yeah that is for lack of a better word housed in a renovation show yeah. like it's it's the 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 renovation is the reason to to meet these people right but it's really just about who are they you know like what's going on in their lives how mm-hmm. can we make their lives better and i think in you know in in a world of completely toxic news cycles people not only crave but like need this kind of programming just as a a beam of hope like oh there's good things in the world there are people doing good things in the world it feels like it's coming back at the right time and you really hit the nail on the head with that while we were doing this project you know every day we came in like there's so much bad happening in the world right now and there's so much negative news to be able to start our day doing so much positivity and working with people who are there to help this this family and, and the, 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 these people who are in desperate need of like a, a fresh start was just really moving and, and, and poignant. And it really makes the, the the borders of this whole world feel like they're closer. Really, it, mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt so much more connected to mankind and humanity. And, you know, I mean, I spent the last 11 years of my life on a very – successful sitcom and my life changed when I did Modern Family and there's a lot that changed within my own bubble and like I I you know before Modern Family started I was just a theater actor I loved like getting to know people I loved making human connections and with the show I love meeting my fans but there's also sometimes um a hesitance to like really getting in getting to know someone because I'm I'm always questioning like what do they want from me sure and there is a bit of like there's a bit of work sometimes that people have to do to, to get in inside with me. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love meeting people, but like I'm, I maybe will hold them, hold them a bit at arm's length. And this show also gave me the opportunity to let my guard down and to really let people come in and touch me, which I really appreciate. That's good. And, and, and again, there's only, I mean, it only takes a couple of sour friendships to, it's like, if someone shits in the pool, you don't go, well, they shit in the pool over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, no, the whole, <laughs> the pool, whole pool is confused. Yeah. Like everyone gets out analogy. of the pool. And so it, of course, you're going to be protective because there are, you know, I, I, a handful of assholes ruin everything for yeah. everyone all the time. This is why we have locks on our doors. This exactly. is why we have two-factor authentication. This is why, yeah. you know, people who are in your position might need to keep people at arm's length a little bit because there are a, a few, not everyone, but yeah. but if it only if it only happens once or twice, that's enough right. to like, put some shields up to make sure that people aren't trying to take advantage of you. Yeah. And then I was given this job where like literally my job is to let people in Yeah, and to get to know people's stories and to really ask questions and to like let them show their emotions to me in ways that I haven't really done with strangers in a very long time. And there's something really powerful about that. And it makes me want to, you know, meet more people like that and also just be more open to, you know, my, my fellow mankind, you know, I think yeah. it's, it's, it really 
closed oh, opened up a lot of like windows in, in my own soul i think yeah and and i and I, and, and Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that those types of human connection also fuel your passion for activism, I would imagine, Absolutely, as well. Yeah. Because, you know, um, I, the, like the, the activist trail can be a very rocky one mm-hmm. because you're fighting so hard to right. make sure that everyone has rights, to make sure that everyone feels protected, to make sure right. that everyone feels equal. And I'm sure there are some days where you're like, God damn it, it just – come on. Yeah. And so – is it would it be is it true statement to say that this kind of thing really helps you right. go okay I I feel refreshed I feel renewed I feel faith in humanity well I mean and I think anyone who does humanitarian work and activism it's a long process and like there are you take three steps forward you take you know five steps back and that's just part of what it is the great thing about extreme makeover home edition is like i'm working with this amazing infrastructure and they are going to build a home in five days mm-hmm. and they're going to reveal that home to that family in five days and it's just going to happen so you know at the end of that five days that we have something to show for it and like it just feels like such forward momentum the entire time you we are doing good things for people and it's happening quickly and it's just it's very gratifying it's like a it, i mean you're on a a train of goodwill that's just like chugging through these 10 episodes and like it's it's really it's really very special i please forgive me for relating this to an experience of mine but i just want to i feel like i want to connect with you on this but <laughs> but i host a show on, on nbc called the wall yeah and the wall is basically i just thought it was going to be like oh it'd be like a fun flashy game show yeah and then i realized for me that show is almost like a podcast, like I'm getting to know people yeah. who are really good people who've sacrificed a lot, mm-hmm. who like deserve some wins in their lives because they've spent much yeah. of their life sacrificing for other people. And when people say, what's it like to host that show? I feel like I'm trying to learn from these people and just absorb their right. goodness and be near it and be in awe of it yeah. because it does every episode just like re-energizes my faith in humanity like oh there are good people yeah. in the world there are good and it it just feels good to be near that yeah absolutely 100 i mean it's uh, and i've watched the show and I've, you're absolutely right your show does do that and it's you know i think it's what i'm looking to do with extreme makeover is just close those gaps between people I yeah mean, i feel like there's such separation a lot of it has to do with financial uh situations or just proximity and um you know uh the, the cards that we were dealt and but at the end of the day we're all part of the human race and we all have trials and tribulations and we all have um you know hurdles to overcome and certain hurdles are easier than others and if you can help someone with those hurdles when you have a little bit of downtime on your of your own i think that's just a really good thing i mean it's i i think it's it's taught me that being a good person is free and being <laughs> wow, <that's a> crazy. <laughs> you know it it costs nothing to 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 be good and yeah. it costs nothing to give back um in 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 ju- with like you know just a a, a a friendly voice or like a an an ear to to hear someone's problems i mean that that's all free um, granted, building the homes themselves are, are not free, and I like to thank all. The, <laughs> I like to thank Masonite no, and Home expensive. Depot and all the people who like helped us build these homes and like the builders who gave their time. Um, but you know, the act of being good is is free, and it's such an easy thing to give. Yeah, and and also the importance of um, being in front of people on a human level, mm-hmm. because being when you know, especially when you're online, it's it, it is there's a layer of human separation because you're essentially just interfacing with text, right? And it's easy to forget that there are humans on the other side yeah. of that text on the other side of their machine, absolutely. And so the idea that 
I, I feel like we are we have evolved to need to connect with other people in real life and look in their eyes and shake their hands right. and see them and understand them more than just via text. And so when we're kind of dealing with big ticket issues online, it can feel very this or that yeah. as opposed to human. Yeah. And being able to sit down with people and just talk and and experience and understand mm-hmm. them, I feel like it's just so important. So yeah. it's so good to have a job that kind of puts you in that position where it's like that's part of your job to go connect yeah. with people. I know. It's, it's truly a blessing. I mean, I, I again, I can't believe I get to do it. And to go back to your original question is how did I get this job? I, I fully don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Ty Pennington, who hosted the show on its first run, is a fantastic carpenter. He's a terribly charismatic person. He was the heartbeat of that show. And so, you know, I was thinking, like, how are people going to move on from him? And the designers of that original show. And it, it's it's hard. But I think, you know, the show is now um, living on HGTV, which I think is the perfect place perfect. for it to live. Um, and it is told through the lens of what HGTV does. And I think with that, they really wanted a fresh take on who's going to be the face of the show. And um, I think over the course of my 11 years in the public eye, um, I have proven myself to be a somewhat, you know, compassionate person who can also bring humor to a sometimes tricky situation. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's, that's what I meant to do. And I have certainly gotten my hands dirty in the first season of the show. And I've, I, I am welding things and picking up nail guns <laughs> and helping, you know, erect walls. And it's, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, it's, it's a world that I'm not familiar with, which I think is also sort of the fish out of water aspect mm-hmm. of it, I think is also interesting. Um, and, uh, the, so I think that's sort of why I was given this job. And I, I just trusted that the people who made that decision were smarter than I was and, um, knew that I'd be the right person for it. So did I read correctly that you, did you go to Catholic school? When you I were did. Going? You did. So, okay. So 12 was, years. Yeah. Okay. So I went to, I went to all boys Catholic high school. Okay. I, just, I went to actually yeah. two different ones cause my family moved, um, from Denver to Los Angeles. But did, uh, when you're on a show like modern family, which is rarefied television air. Yeah. Shows just don't, I mean, I, I feel like, Modern Family, a couple shows like Big Bang and Modern Family, I feel like just slid in under the wire. It's just like Indiana Jones grabbing his hat as the wall drops. For network television. For network television sitcoms, you know, like that kind of, that kind of mega sitcom hit. This is where I'm going with this. Did you ever feel, and maybe you didn't, but did you ever feel any of that sort of like weird Catholic guilt of like, this is too much success how I should am I is it okay for me to be on this show? I was never a very good Catholic now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> no, I mean I l- listen, I worked very hard before Modern Family and I paid my dues doing theater and um, babysitting on, on the side to like make ends meet and um I I feel like I earned it. And good, I feel good. That's like, a healthier attitude. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel very blessed. I'd certainly acknowledge it. I don't feel like, you know, it was – I deserved it by any means. I don't feel like – You mean, mean entitled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, yes, of course. Um, but I, I, I don't feel Catholic guilt around it because I, I do think something that me and my husband, Justin, have done is like hey, taken that platform that we have now and tried to give back oh, as good. much as we can. And, and I think, you know – this parlaying into extreme makeover is a perfect example of like taking that that platform and being able to do something good with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I and I, like I said, I was a terrible Catholic. So <laughs> I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I wasn't a great Catholic either, but I also feel like there were some things that were instilled at a molecular yeah. level, like 
Never, you know, oh, things are going well. You should feel bad about that. I've never gotten the Catholic. Oh, God, I'm just so lucky. I know. That's I know. so good. Yeah. Um, I also read that you grew up in New Mexico. And so where is New Mexico on same-sex marriage now? Because it seemed like the rules were not defined. And right. so what does that mean? Can well, same-sex couples get married there? Yes. Okay. Uh, we have uh, marriage equality in all 50 states now, which is very, very exciting. Um and uh, that started with the uh, overturn of Prop 8 in mm-hmm. California and then sort of there from there it steamrolled. I mean, I, I think that the LGBT community in terms of equality uh, is, is always being challenged. I think there's always danger of things being taken away again. Um, there are certainly places in, in the United States where you can be married to uh, a, same, a same sex couple could be married on a Friday and by Monday that couple could lose their job oh for being God. married to the person that they love. Fortunately, that's not the case in New Mexico. Actually, New Mexico sort of has a bit of a blue wave situation going right now. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's since the time I left, I left there in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become much more progressive. And I go back to visit all the time and I feel very comfortable there. Um, I've met with, uh, you know, a lot of the LGBTQ community in Albuquerque and um, have worked. We worked with marriage equality Um me and my husband there through our foundation tie the knot um you know my my catholic school still i don't think they have a uh gay straight alliance which i'm kind of bummed out about um but you know i think you know small steps yeah i um my high school latin teacher i loved and we reconnected not that long ago and he came he like jumped he he went to a different uh church like Mm -hmm. I, i can't remember if it was I can't remember which other denomination it was. He was like, I came out. I went to another church. I'm married to a man that I love. And I was so excited for him because I feel like how many people may not have embraced that and been able to feel comfortable like being who they are. And and he did. He found a way to make it work. And I was so so happy for him. No, there has been a lot. I mean, I think, you know, when – when there's constant attack of a minority group, you, you always look at the negative. But I mean, if we really look back at these past 20 years, there's been so much forward momentum as well. So Good. I'll try and live in that a little bit more. And Albuquerque is, I mean, Albuquerque is not, is it really like a, a, a hotbed of acting? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you go from Albuquerque to like, I'm going to break out and I'm going to go. I, I mean, I was a rare, rare bird. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is from Albuquerque. Yeah. John Cameron Mitchell, who was the creator of Hedwig and the Angry Anch is from Albuquerque. There's a few people, Freddie Prince Jr., I believe. There's a few of us who, who broke out of Albuquerque. It's, but they um, came out really young. Like they, like yeah. Neil, Neil was like little kid actor. Absolutely. Neil came back to Albuquerque after doing like Clara's Heart and Doogie Howser. And we would audition for the community theater together. And <laughs> who do you think they chose to play John Darling and Peter Pan? It wasn't Jesse Tyler Ferguson. No. The other, the other three I, named boy. Yeah. I lost a lot of community theater roles to Neil Patrick Harris. Um, we're actually friends now, which is... Uh, I've lost a lot of Disney memorabilia to Neil Patrick Harris. Oh my gosh, of course you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's a fanatic. He's and he's amazing. He and David well, when he lived in LA, they did these astonishingly amazing Halloween, Halloween parties, parties yep. and birthday parties yep. and you know, because Neil is a a circus fan and a magic yeah. fan and a and a Muppet fan and right. a, and so, you know, their house is just a shrine to all these yeah. amazing things and their kids are so lucky Their to have them. Their kids are so lucky. Harper and Gideon are like the luckiest <laughs> children ever. Uh, and they're such great parents. The best. I definitely look up to them as a – they're role models of mine and good friends as well. Um, but breaking out of Albuquerque was I, – I never had any doubt in my mind that I wanted to go to New York and be on Broadway. 
I had never been to New York or seen Broadway. And when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to spend a month in France on an exchange program. We had hosted a French student to our house the summer before. And it was this coming up summer was then my turn to go to France and spend a month in France. And uh, I had I could either do that or I could spend five days in New York with the local um, community theater trip, which is basically blue hairs, mm-hmm. blue, blue hair women. And um and and I decided to tag along with these old ladies and go see, you know, eight shows in five days in New York City instead of going to France for a month. Oh wow! Because it was the same price. My parents were like, "You have to choose one or the other." I was like, "I have to. I have to go to New York. I have to see. I have to see what Broadway is." And the minute I landed in New York, I just felt immediately like. I was at home in a mm-hmm. weird way that like you would not expect for someone who lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico to feel at home on the streets of New York City. I mean, it's so different, but I think I was just meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And so there was never a question in my mind. I came back from that trip and I said, I'm going to Albu- I'm, I'm going to, to New York for, for school. I, I, I don't care how I get there, but I have to figure out a way to, to, to study there. And um, I auditioned for some – uh, some some different schools and a lot of places I couldn't afford to go to and I ended up going to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy where they give you a certificate of completion after two years. <laughs> so um, I would say I didn't take college. Right. <laughs> I didn't take college but I have a certificate, have a certificate of, com- yeah. of completion. Yeah, that's all that matters. Uh, and a, and a, I think a pretty great career to show for it too. So I just, I never... I never second guess the fact that I would be in, in New York. Yeah, that's a really fortunate thing to... Because... You know, I, I remember the first time I actually hung out with other comedians, like people who were actually mm-hmm. – like when I was in college, there was a club of people who wanted to be comedians. And as soon as I got around them, I was like, oh, I'm not weird. Yeah, yeah. This is just a thing. Absolutely. Like there's just – I'm just – this is my tribe of yeah. people and I yeah. just needed to find them. Yeah. And so – you know, I always feel, <clears throat> and fortunately, the internet, that is the one positive thing about the internet is it helps people connect with Absolutely. their tribes. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, but, but that but first. But back in the day, we had to take trains, planes, and automobiles <laughs> was, to find them. A- analog connected. Yeah, 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 it was analog connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a coax cable. But it, it, it uh, but that idea of being able to be fortunate enough to sort of land and feel like, oh, I'm connected to this space. And it always. I always feel bad for people who maybe have that yearn or the desire or they feel out of place or displaced or something and they can't quite put mm-hmm. their finger on it and maybe aren't – they just don't have the opportunity yeah. to, you know, like land in their tribe somehow. Yeah. It's, I mean it's, it's unfortunate. I have a lot of kids who contact me on social media, you know, most of them from the LGBTQ community saying, you know, I feel very isolated where I'm at. And like how did you find your people? And I had the good fortune of being able to go to school in New York and find my people. And, um, you know, I just I just encourage people to to and the Internet is such a great tool. And I I encourage people to to remember that the world is that the borders of the world are are bigger than their hometown. And there there's there are people out there who are waiting, waiting for them with open arms. Yeah. I have a friend who has a 19 year old sister and. She was out visiting for the holidays, and um, she's this girl's kind of quiet, but she's but but I can tell she's funny. Yeah. Like I can just like comedians can just sense yeah. other comedians. And I said to my friend, like you should tell her to take an improv, like yeah. like just see if that resonates with her. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was my. I didn't want to be like, oh, you should take an improv. Get the fuck out of my face, weirdo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I just I, I just sort of felt like, oh, if you if I feel like if you just get her near some comedy yeah. people. Because she was saying to her older older sister, who's closer to my age, like, I don't know, I just feel weird. I don't feel like I connect with other people in college. And and I'm like, you're like a comedian. Get around comedians, you know? (laughs) And so, like, in as much as 
we as adults can kind of tell younger people like, oh, you're not, you're not weird. Yeah. You, you feel out of place because you're in a weird circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just need to find your people. And if you do that, you're going to feel so rooted. Yeah. Most creative people have that history, though, I find. You know, all the, the great writers I know and comedians and actors are always like, I never – I was always the outsider. I was always the one who, like, people thought was weird. And yeah. it's, you know, when you're young, you are trying so hard to fit in with everyone around you and be invisible and, like, not stand out. And you don't want to be picked on. And then, like, all those things that make you weird and quirky are the things that we want as adults. We want to stand of course. out. We want – Things that make us special so, so we can excel in our careers and like we want to be desirable to certain people and what makes you desirable is, is uniqueness. Mm-hmm. It's like it's that weird balance of like trying not to kill those those seeds of of brilliance when, when people are early in their early years because they're trying to like blend in. And I definitely remember trying to blend in. But also knowing that there was something special that I had had to offer. Yeah, those, so. those nuggets of quote weirdness are what give you your voice. Yeah. And those are the things that are sort of antithetical to the sort of traditional, especially high school social circles mm-hmm. where all those kids are just trying to fit in and trying to be cool. And I feel yeah. like the creatives, what sort of fuels that is the sort of the the blessing and the curse of introspection, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, a gift, but also can really get in your way if you're yeah. trying to just navigate the Absolutely. world sometimes. And so it's trying to find that balance between like – you know, like keeping the voice from being too being destructive, but also using it to sort of realize, as you said, that it's like that's your uniqueness. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I just don't know how to like how do you how do you tell kids that? Oh, if you feel weird, that's okay. It's good. That's okay. Like that's, I remember people telling me that when I was and it just young. doesn't and connect. It just doesn't connect. Yeah, because in in the moment, you know, I was being bullied, and I was you know I didn't want to go to school because I was kind of nervous about you know having interactions with people, and like that trumps embracing your weirdness you know at, at that time so it's, it's it's a tricky balance i mean sometimes i look back and i'm like god it's a miracle any of us got out of the hometowns that we were in totally but i also and you know not that by any stretch of the imagination it's good to be bullied or it's good to feel like an outsider but the fact that you took those experiences and the way that you express that is like well i'm going to do whatever i can to make sure that everyone feels Right. Okay. Right. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be an activist. I'm going to make people feel, you know, seen and heard. And, you know, so at least you were able to do something positive with that, which has, I'm sure, dramatically affected uh, thousands, if not like hundreds of thousands or millions of people with the work that you do. So Mm -hmm. at least you're able to, at least you're able to do something good with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel... I feel tremendous amount of sadness and empathy for people who don't know how to or just don't, for whatever reason, have the set of circumstances or the skill sets into being able to to do something with right. that. You right. know. So what what advice do you have for people who feel kind of trapped in that zone? Fuck. Yeah, I mean it's – I feel like the first thing to do is is find that tribe of people that you feel – you can connect with and sometimes that's a sibling sometimes that's you know the other weird kids at school sometimes it's you know uh it's going online and finding that group of people that sort of think like you um and i, I, I we all have passions and like you know sometimes we're afraid to talk about what our passions are because we think that they're not they're not worthy mm-hmm. but i think that anything that's like something that you're excited about is something that's that's worth giving back to the world and um it's 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 that weird balance of like navigating childhood but also you know 
starting to look toward the future and like what what impact do you want to make in the world and like I know I I always think about role models. I think role models are a great place to start. Like who inspires you? Who do you, who do you get excited by? And like what do they do that inspires you? Why do they inspire you? And like how could you follow that person's path and and try and make a mark in the world in the same same way. I, I, this is a, like sort of a weird leap to make, but it's one of the reasons why I love Rocket Man so much. <laughs> okay, because here you have this guy where you look at him, you go, "Oh my God, he's yeah. how could he not be the happiest person in the world? Yeah. He's achieved. He's like he's Rocket Man. He's he's Rocket Man. You know, he's fucking Rocket Man. Like you know, just that fact of you know twenty five percent in the seventies. It was something like twenty five percent of income in the music industry was. I think that's right. Was funneling yeah. to Elton John, yeah. or, or like he was responsible for twenty five. Yeah, and you know, couldn't pull himself out of his bedroom because he was so, he was just so eaten alive yeah. by personal demons. And so just kind of knowing that, um, that it's, you know, no, no path is without challenge, right. but you know, it's still achievable and right. still conquerable, I think right. is a really, I don't know. It's just, it, to, to me, it just, it should help people feel. And also to not be afraid to like, to know that if you try something, it doesn't have to be your permanent thing forever. Exactly. If you tr- if you find a group, you can try it for a while. And if it doesn't suit you, right. then you can move on to a different one. It doesn't have to be like, yeah. this is my permanent thing forever. Right. And like you just said, I think it's so important that nothing comes easy. I think, you know, when things are hard and when things don't seem to be coming as quickly as they should, that that's not a sign that it's not something you should be doing. I mean, I think about like my acting career. Like if I, if I had listened to those sets of rules, I, I would not be acting because – it took me a while before I got a big break. So. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? Uh, I, I've been. I've talked about it a bit on the podcast because I was blown away by it. But um, Michelle Monaghan told me about this documentary called "The Biggest Little Farm." I haven't seen it now. It's mind blowing. It basically, you know, it, w- this isn't ruining too much, but it's big about a couple who, you know, they live in Santa Monica and they just decide like. Let's see if we can start a sustainable farm. They have no farming experience whatsoever. And it's just this like seven-year journey that they – and the guy just by coincidence happens to be like uh, a nature documentarian. So it's shot stunningly. Uh-huh. And it, and they basically just – you watch the seven-year journey of them building this farm that ultimately creates this ecosystem. And they build it. There's like nothing on the property. It's fucking dirt. It's like – unusable dirt and they build this from nothing and it's so wonderful to see their process like you said you know three steps forward five steps back and it's how they sort of almost kind of stoically embrace all of their challenges like every time something good happens it's followed by a oh god damn it and how they kind of take these situations and figure out how to fold them in and and use them like use negative situations to their benefit and it's even if you don't give a shit about farming it is such a wonderful like life movie because yeah. it's incredibly affirming. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and so what types of challenges do you feel like you've seen over the years that you've gone, you know what? This sucks, but rather than, you know, try to punch through it, I'm going to try to use it for for good or I'm going to try to use it to my benefit. Oh gosh. I mean, um I I you know, I've I've been involved in projects that I I don't believe in that I I don't I don't like doing like I don't enjoy being an actor when mm-hmm. I'm doing them like I have done them for money and I have done them because I'm trying to stay relevant and trying to make myself feel like an an actor and um, at the same time I'm they're sort of crushing my soul and mm-hmm. making me not want to wake up and do what I love doing and you know they made me question my ability they made me question my purpose and like whether or not I should be doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think that 
coming up against those struggles, uh, I get. I mean, I, I, I feel like it, they, it made me a stronger actor and a stronger person in the long run because it, it challenged me to, to stay in it and to, to, to sort of see it through those uncomfortable times and um, remind myself that my instincts are good. And the reason I'm doing this is because I'm, I am good at it. And um, I think investing in yourself is the most important thing you can do. And it forced me to invest in myself in ways that I have never had to invest in myself. Um, Cause nothing's worse than putting something out in the world that you're not fully proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to talk about it and then having to talk about it on a podcast. Um, <laughs> this thing is yeah, great. Yeah, 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 I yeah, love exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I'm dying inside. Uh, I, have, I have emotional diarrhea, but it is, it's, it's, it's truly um, a reminder that you have to invest in yourself and you have to uh, believe in yourself. You have to be your own, you have to be your biggest fan. Wow. That's such a great point though, because it, I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone should walk out of their house and go, hey, world, punch me in the balls. Yeah. I'm not saying you should seek out contentious situations, but, you know, um, but it's almost like because you embrace the struggle, because you embrace that situation as like, oh, okay, that situation afforded me the opportunity to see what I don't like right. and to strengthen my own resolve about uh, who I am and what I do. You know, if you hadn't had, because I, I just think people think everything. You know, like if to be successful means you should just be happy all the time, right. and you got, you know, it's like Elton John, you got no problem, and that's not at all what life is. Yeah. You do, unfortunately, or fortunately, I think, kind of fortunately, have to embrace the struggles because those, right. those help. Th- those are where the growth parts yeah. happen. You know, and you can hopefully you know like share your experience with other people and let them make different mistakes exactly. instead of the same ones that yeah. you that you might have yeah made. i mean and like you know being in the entertainment business specifically i'll speak on that just because we both are like you know it's still a job just like any other job is i mean you know it, uh, you know doctors have bad days nurses have bad days teachers have bad days and um and so, so do artists i mean it is it's not all you know joy and 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 celebrity and and gifting sweets and, and <laughs> Emmy awards and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's you know we also have shitty days and um it is it, it's a job like any other job and it just happens to be one that is sometimes widely available on television and streaming. Oh my god, and streaming too. It's like I've been I, I keep having this conversation with 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 different people in the business because mm. we're at such we're at literally the most pivotal point yeah. in entertainment history because of how things are shifting and the next one to three years are going to be really interesting because who fucking knows i know like what streaming services are going to win out what television is going to look like i remember and early on in modern family um a friend of mine a very good friend of mine leah delaria she's like i'm i just started the show for netflix and i was like oh in my, head, in my head, I'm like, oh, I was like, I have to be excited for her. But, oh, my God, is that what this has come to? She's doing things for Netflix? The, the, the DVDs that she put in the mail? Right. Oh, no. Oh, but, Leah, I'm so excited for you. I'm so – what a wonderful thing. What's it called? It's called Orange is a New Black. Oh, God, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Good let luck me with know that. where I can find it. Good luck with that. And now it's like, you know, one of the biggest shows. The cultural on. touchstone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also Netflix is like where everyone dreams. It's, you know, they're, they're now they're winning Oscars. And like right. it's, it, the, the landscape of television specifically has changed so much in the past 11 years. And I guess I'm, we're, the cast of Modern Families, I guess, may be lucky to be ejected out into it. I mean, we sort of I sort of feel like we're, um, you know, coming from a different era. Like we're going to be like. 
like one of those time travel movies, like Back to the Future. Like, what what the hell is this world that we've been injected into? So every week, people end up watching it the same the time? same time. That's dumb. <laughs> Why would anyone fucking do that? Well, also, like, a, a, the sitcoms because I just think about you know I think about like Seinfeld. Like yeah. they never. Obviously, that was a huge show when it was like that was the fucking lottery of all lotteries. Obviously, yeah. it was a great show, you know. It, but in the '90s, it was huge. Yeah. Then it was huge on home video, yeah. and now they just made like I don't know, it was like a half a billion dollar because people like watching it on streaming on yeah. Nef- on Netflix yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so it, I think the sitcom. It, and again, I think this also goes to the sort of toxic landscape of the world. People like to check out and just binge watch yeah. sitcoms because they're easy to get into. You can yeah. drop into it's any escapism. episode. Yeah. It's escapism. Now there's a nostalgia factor. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, like I still watch the same, you know, season two to season nine Simpsons episodes yeah, all the time. Absolutely. I mean, I can watch them hundreds of times yeah. and I continue to watch. And Modern Family is one of those shows that I feel yeah. like for, you know, decades to come, people will always go back and watch that show. It used to be syndication. Yeah. I'm sure it's syndicated. It is, yeah, yeah. But also streaming as well. Yeah. So it, it feels like to me... Things are gonna be things are gonna be okay on the <laughs> Jesse Tyler Ferguson front for for quite a while because that is that I, I just can't imagine like pitching a sitcom now and yeah. starting now. No, I don't know what that looks like no. anymore. No, no. What you guys are done now. We uh, we have four more episodes to shoot to shoot. Um, okay, and and then we're done. Oh man, yeah. Is it? Uh, like bittersweet is it a relief to do new things is it it must be all those it's all of those things i mean you know i think back to like when i was a kid and i think like first grade to 11th grade and it seemed like an eternity Mm -hmm. and like now i'm like that's how long we've been doing modern family and it really puts into perspective how quickly time passes when you're an adult Mm -hmm. and how fast and how um like it's just like sand running through your fingers like you're trying to to hold on to it and, and make it last a little longer and um you know, we've we we're, we are a family. We're a very tight group of people, and we all like each other a lot. And that's I think very rare for a group of people as big as ours after eleven years. Um, and you know, I think you know, as actors and as artists, you're always looking to do new things, which is exciting. But you know, not seeing these people every day is really something we. I don't think any of us can wrap our mind around. I had I wasn't really when I was shooting Extreme Makeover. I was doing this first season of Extreme Makeover simultaneously as as we were shooting the, the final season of Modern Family. So I was doing double duty for about two and a half months. And I wasn't able to think about that this was the final season of Modern Family. I really had to put it on the back burner. And the first table read I had after I wrapped Extreme Makeover, I sort of came back and I was sort of able to sort of be more present in the room. And we were reading a draft uh, for a, a Christmas episode. And I turned the page. I was cold reading. I hadn't had the chance to read the script. And I had a line that said, let's just all enjoy each other while we still can. Oh, my gosh. And I couldn't even – I immediately burst into tears. Oh, my God. Of course. I couldn't, I couldn't finish the line. I had to apologize to the room. We had to, like, go back two pages and, like, start again. And I got to the line again. I started crying. At that, that, that point, everyone's crying <laughs> in the room. Of course. And it really just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think that's um, – I think in these next four episodes that we're shooting, it's just going to be a lot of that. But it's – but also it's sort of – it's a good reminder of – I think that when I was younger, I always used to go – I was used to sort of look at life as like a, like a someday thing, mm-hmm. and in, and now, 
as I'm getting older, I'm like, no, no, it's now. Like, yeah. you need to fucking focus on now. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I've, it is, un, it's possible I'll be alive in 40 years, yeah. but it's also very likely that I won't be. Uh-huh. And so it just sort of feels like, I remember the last 40 years of my life, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like, you know, you got to enjoy this shit now. There's yeah. no, you know, it's not, you can't, you can't delay it or put it off. You just have to really embrace the yeah. moment now. I guess that's a lesson I definitely have learned from these 11 years. And I think that we have done a really good job of not taking any of it for granted as we were doing it. I think we have all, we have consistently stopped in the past 11 years and, and, taken stock and where we are and like we know that this doesn't happen mm-hmm. we know that this is a very rare thing and uh we really stop and appreciate that that's really nice yeah. is there a thing planned for the like uh, a final episode yeah like is there a big oh guys- i'm sure there's gonna have a there'll be a big series wrap party of some sort and um yeah, I, I have no idea. I I don't know what they're planning on doing on set. I, I, I can only imagine that last day of shooting is going to be wildly emotional as we're wrapping people for the series. 11 years is a long time. It's a very I've, long I've time. never lived in one place for 11 years. I've never had yeah. the same job for 11 yeah. years. Like, 11 years is a – like, that's a lot. It's a very long time. It's basically all of my education, like, first to – 11th grade, yeah. Oh, my God. That is crazy. It's insane. And you're about to gra- you're about to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> what kind yeah. of stuff do you – what do you want to – have you thought about the types of things you want to do moving forward? Yeah. I mean I, I always loved doing theater in New York. I did a lot of Broadway before coming out to L.A. to do, to do television. And so I, I'm actually going to do a play this summer on Broadway um, that I love called Take Me Out. Um that won the Tony Award back in 2003 and they're doing a revival of it. And it's a show I saw back when it was in New York and I saw it, I think three times because it was so inspiring to me. So the fact that this it's now come back into my life in this way and I actually get to be in the play on Broadway is really meaningful. And so I, I look at those full circle moments in my life and I think I want more of that. You know, I would love to, I, I, my first job in New York city was a big Broadway musical and I got to play one of the leads in it, actually opposite of Leah Delaria from Orange is the New Black. Um, and uh, I would love to like go back and do another big Broadway musical. Um, and I just I'm I, I'm excited about this extreme makeover thing. It's you know I, my my career has constantly surprised me, and I have never imagined I've never been able to dream up these places that I've gone. And extreme makeover is something that I never would have ever dreamed for myself. And so. I, I've been very lucky so far to sort of letting life take me where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just willing to let that happen some more. That's really a good skill set to develop <laughs> because it's so easy as a protection measure to try to control yeah. outcomes, to try to like really focus on that sort of if then mentality. If I get this, then I'll be happier. Mm-hmm. If this happens, then I'll be devastated right. or whatever. And if you can really figure out how to move along with life, it's just. You're just going to be happier because yeah. you're just not fighting it every yeah. every step of the way. Um, do you, do you want to do more films? Do you want to star another sitcom? Would you want to do a drama? Have you thought about like do you even think about stuff on that? I, you that know, level? it's it's hard to think that far into the future because I, I mean, I think I'll be busy for the next like at least year with with um, the play and then extreme makeover. So you're going to get offered stuff though. I will. I, yeah. Listen, I mean, that's why I'm here to, to please call 213. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine jumping into another sitcom right away. I just feel like it's going to be very hard to top what Modern Family was um, and is. Uh, I, I, I love drama. I, I, I'm always looking to like, 
I'm always looking for roles that feel very different than what I've been doing for the last 11 years. So I think it it really depends on um on you know the material. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm in a I'm in a very blessed place as an actor. There was a time where I, I really needed to take jobs that paid well, and I I can kind of sit back and I don't really need to look at the money part of it is like the, the the number one thing that I need to consider. I can sort of look at the material itself. So I've I've haven't done a lot of film. Um it's something I'm I would love to do. Um I just watched Marriage Story actually the other night, which which is devastating. But I was like that's that's it's such great acting and such great writing and like there's just so many people I want to work with. Um so I'm just uh I'm excited to see what happens. Do you want to direct? Do you want would you I direct do. plays? Yeah. I think I would. Um I I, I would I would. Uh I I was toying with the idea of directing uh, an episode of, or two of Modern Family. Um, Julie Bowen actually did; she's directed two, and she did such a great job. Um, I'm just scared to direct that cast. I feel like I know them <laughs> so well. I know what makes Ed O'Neill cranky. Like I just, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I just kind of just want to show up and let someone else tell me what to do. But I think if it was a different group of people that I wasn't so connected to, I would absolutely. I think, and I think I'd be good. I do think I'd be good. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even think it would be that difficult for. You to if you wanted to like start directing a play, I'm sure someone would give you a play in like a half a second. Well, if you if you wanted to, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it just seems like you know it, that could be. A, I mean, I know directing a play is totally different yeah. than than directing television, but in a way, I guess you're yeah. still the master storyteller. Like at the, right. when, when you kind of rip it all away, the medium is different, yeah. but you still are trying to figure out how to tell a cohesive yeah. story. I mean, it's, it's something I, I haven't done. Um, I when I was young, I would direct these. Um, Christmas pageants in my living room and uh, my siblings uh, always thought I was very bossy and but they will always love doing them and we, you know we would like recreate the nativity scene and you know Catholic school of course and uh, it always ended with you know the tree being plugged in and that was the grand finale and uh, one year uh, around Halloween we started rehearsals for the for the Christmas show and uh, again I was very bossy and my siblings got upset with me and decided to quit <laughs> So I, well, yeah. But you probably didn't realize they walked it was an out. option. They walked out, which basically just meant they walked into their room and shut the door. And During the Christmas pageant? or No, the this is the rehearsals in, gotcha, o- in gotcha, October. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, you know, Halloween time. Sure. And so I stored the sets and I was like, we're, we're not doing anything. The sets being, you know, like pieces of cardboard. Um, and and then Christmas break came along and everyone was at home and they were bored and like, well, now we want to do the Christmas show again. So I said, okay, we can, we can. We can pull the sets out of storage and, and, and start production again. And I made I made them sign contracts. <laughs> oh, you're in the right business. So, you yeah, know, definitely in the maybe right I business. would be okay. Now, was the did the contract state that they weren't allowed, like that they were exclusive to that production and that they couldn't just walk off? I think it was basically like we, I, Kelly Ferguson or Ben Ferguson, <laughs> say that we will not quit the show until after the show is finished. Sign here. <laughs> <laughs> and th- at the time, they probably didn't realize like there was really no legal ramifications for them to break the contract. They don't need to know but that. But they didn't need to know Even that. Even to this day, that's like they think that I still have ownership of them. It's very possible you could you could just retroactively sue them for yeah, like yeah. the last you know whatever thirty years yeah, of yeah. not doing not doing the Christmas yeah, show. Like, I you guys I have d- not didn't specify the term of the agreement. Is yeah. it possible that for Christmas twenty twenty, yeah, you could. As a joke, you should have your lawyer like draft up a real official <laughs> version of it and send them that yeah. in the mail yeah. and, and say that you expect them for rehearsals yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. November 1st. Exactly. And that uh, yeah. you know, that you're going to do the Christmas. That's a great idea. <laughs> that would be really fun. I, I think I still have the sets, actually. I think, you know what? I, I'm just spitballing an idea here. <laughs> I bet 
just for fun, you could go to Albuquerque and do like a sort of more thorough version of your Christmas pageant as a charity show. I 100%. In Albuquerque with you and your brother and your sister in, in roles. But then Absolutely. like fully like cast it out. Just for, I think just for fun. I thought it was a great idea. That's actually. not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. You could expand. You could yeah. take, and the set could sort of be like the old Ferguson living room, right, right, right. Like, but on like the you know the stage of a theater perfect. in Albuquerque, and then actually just sort of do it as a. It's oh perfect. It's a great idea. The Ferguson, uh, the Fer- Ferguson Christmas pageant. It's Christmas spectacular. Christmas no, that's spectac- Radio City already took that one. God damn it! God, they always steal everything. Fuck, what about the Rockettes? No, no, no they're they're, they're, un- they're unavailable. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you can just hire some local rockets. Yeah, 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 exactly. Local rockets in Albuquerque. <laughs> I'd love to see this. Just uh, yeah, just like what there yeah. must be a local rocket scene. Well, in- I, I would hire the 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 spirit dancers from St. Pius the 10th High School where I went. Perfect. The Dorados. They're called the Dorados. Perfect, perfect. Is it a co ed school now? Yes, it, it is. It is a yeah. co ed school yeah. now. Yeah. Um, uh, so what are you going to do for the, like, when you're done, are you going to take a break? Are you going to, uh... Honestly, I have, I have a week off. I'm meant to do jury duty. Okay, good. I think I'm going to postpone that because I go into rehearsal for the play the following week. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the jury duty thing is, uh, have you done it before? I have. Yeah, where yeah. You, you show up and then you kind of wait for them to call you and then... Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually, lo- I love doing it. If I have the time to do it, I, I, I just have no time. And the last time I went in... I sort of gambled because I had to work. I was in production the following week, and I thought, "Well, I'll go in. They're never going to choose me. They don't want some guy who's on Modern Family to be on the jury, right?" So I'll just show up, and I ended up getting chosen for jury selection. And I they ended up keeping me for about three days for questioning, and I started to get nervous. Like they might actually, you know, choose me. But yeah, because if you have to work, they don't. You, they don't. They, doesn't matter. No, they don't care. They, like that's they say work is not an excuse to exactly. get out of jury. So if you're like, I have to shoot next week, they're like, well, that's really yeah, bad for you. Then yeah, exactly. And so I, but the funny thing was when we were going around and introducing, we had to see, like, say our names, like what we did for a living. And I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm Jesse, I'm an, I'm an actor. And then like juror number seven, seven was like, um, you know, I'm Kyle, I'm also an actor. And then he sort of said, not as successful as juror number three, but you know, I'm also an actor. So like, there was like titters and laughing. And, sure. and then later, a, a few days after that, um, they were saying, you know, this, this case may involve a CSI agent. You know, CSI agents in, in court are much different than, you know, CSI agents on television. Something mm-hmm. juror number three might know something about. <laughs> oh, okay. And so I said, you know, what? I, I raised my hand. I said, I, I just feel like we've pointed – we've sort of singled me out a few times here in the, the room. And I just feel like even in the, if, if this is how it's happening in the jury selection process, I'm just nervous about how it's going to go for this guy's trial. Like he should have a fair trial. I sure. feel like this is not – we're not setting him up for a very fair right. juror. I, I don't think I should be – on this jury. Were you were you ever concerned at all that if you like in the sort of extreme case where they're like, Oh my god, you're in some crazy murder trial as a juror. Right. And then the person on trial gets convicted and they look at you and go I know who you are. Yeah. I'm going to track you down. You know, like, because you don't, you don't, you're not an I hadn't thought about that till just now. Oh, okay, and sorry, now sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, shit. Okay, terrified. well, I take it back. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, it'll be totally fine. But it is, it is, it is a fascinating process. And actually, I really enjoyed, you know, I, I went downtown. And if you're mm-hmm. a juror, you get, I, at least at the time when I went, you get to take your jury badge and go to the museums. Yeah. Like, I went to the museums downtown. Oh, yeah. The like, world for opens lunch up break. to you when you're a juror. It's, it's, it's really. <laughs> yeah. The Grand Central Market, they they can you they'll give you a free Coke. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day outside. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like you're sitting in the room. There's internet in there. It's like, what do you you know? Yeah. Like you're part you're part of the system. Like yeah. it's not. It's no. It's, I, it's I liked it again. If I had the time, I'd be totally down for it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good time. It's not, 
guys, it's I, I have to be. I, really, I would time. like to. I really like to. How many times have you had to go? Uh, this is like my fourth or fifth time in the past like seven years. And do you feel like, like do you feel like it's the the jury system being like we're gonna fucking get this guy on a jury? I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Possibly, because <laughs> I feel like in some sometimes they want to make examples out of the entertainment people to be right. like you're I, not exempt exactly, and nor should and we, nor be. we should be. No, I'm, I do know that there was. I think it was Tom Hanks who's actually he actually got chosen for a jury and he was serving. I think it was Tom Hanks. I'm not fully sure, but one of the the lawyers um, was a fan and asked on the, one of the breaks if they could take a photo with Tom Hanks. And they took a photo, and the whole case was dismissed because it was like one of the lawyers was showing favoritism to one of the jury members. Oh my god! And they had to start over. Oh, and it's like Tom Hanks; it's not his fault. Like he was just being nice; like he didn't know what to do. So you know, there is that too. Like it, 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 I do think like having someone who's that recognizable on a jury does cause some complications unfortunately yeah i mean i i'm you know and i'm not comparing myself to Tom no Hanks, no no no, no 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 but but you are very recognizable in my case i just sort of feel like oh yeah that guy's on to yeah, yeah for sure so he's a wholesome and after show yeah, yeah you know like yeah. i don't i don't really feel like my presence would halt a trial but um but well it... <laughs> uh, i think you underestimate your power no i don't think yeah. I, don't, I don't really think so your honor, as a member of the entertainment <laughs> business, may, sir, you're a jury member. Objection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Overruled. Uh, but it, it, that that process. I mean, we watch. My wife and I watch so many uh, investigation discovery shows. Yeah. It would be really interesting to sort of see what the other side of it is. Just yeah. to sort of see, like, you know, what does what does a jury of peers go through in right. order to arrive? Because when you watch these shows, or you watch like a docu series about a trial or whatever. You're watching something that, you know, in theory could take several months right. in an hour right. or 42 minutes. Right. So there's a lot of gaps that are, you know, so you you make judgments about things that you watch. But it's like, but what really, like, what were, what was everything that happened? Right. You know, that, that part really interests me. Right. And there are a lot of holes where nothing happened and they were just falling asleep and, you know, like, <laughs> waiting for someone to, like, come to their side and... Uh, process it is it is a process so anyways i have well, your husband, is your husband a lawyer he is and i thought that that would um that would disqualify me but no i don't know if it does hmm. and also i play a lawyer on tv so i even tried to use that i was like but that really is he a trial lawyer no okay no he's not he works in nonprofit. so if you do get on a jury though i think you should lead everything with as a tv lawyer yeah yeah dot, dot, <laughs> to see if that yeah because uh, if you're on tv that automatically people would think that you have some sort of legal right, 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 right. A lawyer on tv so yeah, he yeah. must have a yeah uh, people forget that actors you know that it's a great game of pretend yeah uh, M- meanwhile know nothing about it <laughs> well i hope that um that you only get on selected for a jury when you're able to fit it into your schedule exactly. or when, you know, you're not going to be recognized by the by everyone on the trial. But uh, uh, are you going to get take any breaks this summer? Are you going to take any trips? Anything? Uh, I, you know, we just came back from Puerto Rico for uh, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And when we were sh- – we shot an episode of Modern Family in, in Paris mm-hmm. uh, a, a few months ago and we were able to take a little bit of vacation piggybacking on that. But um, I think they want to maybe do – I mean, this is knock on wood. Nothing's official. But, like, you know, if, if Extreme Makeover does well this year, I think they might want to do more. So that would sort of put me right back into production right as soon as the play is done. So. I feel like it's going to do well. Like, when I saw the commercial for it, I said to my wife, like, oh, my God, this is coming back. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, we're excited. I, I just I, 
it just feels like the right combination of everything. Yeah. It's like the right time to bring it back. It's the right yeah. feel-good show. It's the right network. Yeah. I'm you very, know. very proud of it. I've seen all, all 10 episodes that we've shot, and um, I'm, I am I can't wait for people to see it and get to know these families. And um, I think it's going to be a, a, a really positive, wonderful thing that, that people get to turn to on television. Not to turn this into not, – not, you know, not to take something beautiful and and – and commercialize it, but I'm just saying, just noodle in the back of your head what the Jesse Tyler Ferguson home uh, goods line right. looks like in your, you know, is it kitchen goods? Is it pillows? Is it furniture? Is God, it? I mean, the the world's my oyster. It really kind of you is. You know what? It's oysters. It's oysters. <laughs> um, God, I don't know. I mean, I I am I actually the other thing why why I can't take a break right now is I'm I'm actually in the midst of writing a cookbook as well. Oh, you are. I am. I am. I'm. Uh, what I'm, kind I'm of cookbook? A, uh, it's it's. I'm wor- working with my friend Julie, who's a chef, um, and she's from the South. She's from Alabama, mm-hmm. and I'm obviously from Albuquerque, New Mexico. As we've been discussing, and we're sort of drawing from the 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 food that we grew up in, uh, grew up eating. You know, me with lots of like, hatch green chili, and you know, uh, tortillas, and, and and like a lot of spice in her with you know cornbread and and sorghum and molasses, and actually these fl- these these. Cuisines go very well together, so it's sort of a it's it's more of a story of a, of a friendship, but mm. um, told through recipes, and it's it's a it's something that's very fun to to work on. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of um, I'm not I, I'm not I'm not one who like sits down and writes, mm-hmm. so that's that's been very challenging for me. Um, but uh, I think you know if there was maybe a, a, something to spin off onto, it would be like something in the, the culinary world. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I do see those. I can see those cuisines going together, like yeah. southwestern, like poblano barbecue, Absolutely. like southwestern, yeah. because the southwestern is really like a nice filter, and the south, because barbecue has so many different right. Like the south is so. Like every part of the south is protective over its own cuisine, yeah. and there's that sort of. You know, joke or maybe serious, kind of like, well, that's Kansas City barbecue. This right. is Texas barbecue, which is exactly. different than Memphis barbecue, which is different than Alabama. And actually, New Mexican food is much different than Mexican food. It's like, you know, we're also very territorial with our cuisine in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we've been we've been working on some really – I mean, it's not strictly in those parameters, but that's sort of like the the genesis of, of the idea. And then from there, we're, like, you know, just creating really fantastic recipes that I think everyone's going to really like. Do you like to meditatively cook? I do. I find it very calming. Mm-hmm. Are you a cook? No. I mean, I, I like the science aspect of it yeah. where someone gives you a bunch of the ingredients and you have to sort of figure – it's sort of like turning science into art. Right. Like everyone gets the same recipe with the and same million, amount of yeah. uh, ingredients and it can turn out a million different ways. Yeah. And that's sort of the the sort of the humanizing of the science or the art of the science. Right. My wife is just like naturally an amazing. She just loves to cook, and she'll yeah. just like throw shit together and go. I just tried to do, it. and it's amazing. Yeah. Like I that I don't. I don't feel like I have that sort of intuitive. I'll right. just throw a dash of this. Like I need the very specific you need rule some, set some guidelines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the cooking shows always make it easy because, like, yeah, someone has parsed out everything in tiny bowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you throw oh, it into. For sure. yeah. I mean, that <laughs> part of it that the, they call it um, mise en place, so like putting everything in, in place, and like just that process of like filling those tiny little bowls with the yeah. top things can take like an hour and a of half. Of course, and then the cleanup. Yeah, and like here in Ina Gardens, just throwing it together in ten minutes. So you ask me, you ask me if I like to cook. I like <laughs> the part of it where it's, where you get to eat. Where, well, I like the eating part, but I like the part where you're just throwing shit in a pot. Yeah. yeah. 
The having to pull everything out, clean as you go along. Yeah. I spilled flour everywhere. Clean up after. Yeah. Like that's – I feel like that's the same thing. It's the same thing with stand-up and it's the same thing with acting where it's like all the prep work. Yes. Th- the actual thing you do yeah. is th- what you spend part. the least amount of time doing. Exactly. That's such an interesting way of looking at it. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. But but, yeah. I'm going to look. I'm going to be like – have to go to rehearsal and I'm be like chopping <laughs> onions. God, Re- rehearsing for the meal. Oh, I'll be in my trailer. I'm doing tech now. Like, yeah. who's gonna chop the onions? Yeah. Isn't there a PA who yeah, can yeah, chop yeah. these onions? No, it's not really. You gotta. Oh you, my you god! Do all it, that. I have actually asked someone to help me prepare. I was like, could, could you just do a little prep work for me? Just a little bit. My husband's terrible at it. He's like, I I won't let him near the kitchen. <laughs> oh, so he's not. He does no, not. He useless. does not have that gene. Useless. He does not have the cook gene at no, all. No. But it sounds like if he's a lawyer, he's really good with with like. He's good at so many other things that I'm terrible at. Basically everything but cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably why it's such a good yeah. marriage because yeah. you guys complement each yeah. other. It, I think it. I can never tell if it's if it's good to be amazing at the same things. Because then it's like double amazingness yeah. or if it's better where like everyone kind of has their own no, mutant powers. I'm, I'm so happy he's better. At, like I, I'm always handing him my phone saying, I don't know what happened. <laughs> That's my Yeah. Wife. All the time. I'm going to get my wife a t-shirt that says, yeah. I don't know where the fuck I put my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what I hear like several times because oh. she hates technology so yeah, me much. Too. She almost subconsciously is, I think, losing it on yeah. purpose because she just doesn't want to fucking be near it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, – do you – let me ask you this. Is your, do you have the kind of relationship where your husband is immediately on top of texts and emails and yours has like a crazy red dot with like a big number on it because they are unanswered? I, I look at them, but then I don't answer them. Gotcha, like I don't gotcha, like gotcha. see – I'm crazy enough that I want to see the red dot. Yeah. I need the red dot to be gone. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily going to respond to them. So stuff gets buried and I don't answer them. And he is a rapid texter. Mm-hmm. So if like I'm not near my phone – like because I text him and he responds to me immediately. Yeah. Um. And if I'm, I, I will leave my phone in another room for hours. And like he, Where are you, what like, are you doing? He shows up out of breath. He's like, I thought you were dead. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm watching Succession. Calm down. Like, <laughs> I totally know. What you're I, I'm totally about. shivs in a situation. Like I gotta, like I gotta finish this. I've done, I've done that with Lydia before. And then, I'll, and then in the aftermath, I'm like, oh no, I'm the asshole because not everyone has their yeah. phone attached to their leg yeah. at yeah. all times. But she has no fear of the red dot uh, whatsoever. Wh- one time Justin left his home phone phone at home. We were on vacation and we were out for the entire day. And he's like, oh, crap. I think I left my, my phone at the hotel. And I, I he shares his location with mm-hmm. me. So I checked. And I was like, yep, yeah, it's at the hotel. I was like, so you don't have it for eight hours. You're going to be fine. And at the end of the day, you would have thought he was expecting a parade in the honor of his bravery. Like he was. He's the real hero. He marched to his phone. He was like, I'm back. And like just, I mean, he couldn't stop talking about how amazing it was that he had left his phone at home all day and and literally it was just like a half a it really it was, technically really, it was like half yeah, a day yeah. yeah it was like half a day but you know it is you know we 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 with our our significant others we do need to like praise their victories yes. good for you yes i know that was very hard it was for very you. hard for tomorrow him. let's yes. try for nine hours yeah. instead yeah. of eight and never see happened. if we can no it'll never, never happen. happen well it sucks when you have a it's just because it's so tied not only to our personal lives but our professional lives yeah and so True. It, it's funny to me, like in Mad Men days, like the office was the office yeah. and home was home. Yeah. And now everything is everything because you have your fucking office exactly. in your pocket and your entire personal yeah. connections as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, do you feel like it's important to sort of take b- forcible technology breaks? Yes. Yeah, so I literally – it's so funny you just you said that because I 
uh, I guess it's my New Year's resolution. I've, I deleted Instagram and Twitter from my phone. Yep. They still exist. And Justin, my husband, has access to them. So, like, he's actually posting things for me, you know, throughout the month. But, like, I love not having that as an option. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I had an alert last month about my screen time. And I was like, that's absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> the things I could have done in that time. <laughs> when you add up the hours, it's you fucking add up horrifying. The hour, it's horrifying. So I was like, I got to get that down. Also, I'm just stressed out with like writing a book and like, you know, there's so many things happening. I was like, the one thing I don't need is that I don't need to check Instagram because that, that would be the thing I would do to like calm myself down or I give myself mm-hmm. a break. I was like, I have to learn to play. I have other things to do. Well, yes, because that's the distraction from the stress of all the other exactly. shit and the avoidance. But then for some reason, it gives me more stress. Of course it does. Because you can't, our brains literally cannot process the amount of no. information that we're trying to shove no. in them at all times. No. It's just like, you look at stuff on your phone and it's all like, most of it, I think just either bounces off your ear yeah. or just kind of sails out the other side, yeah. but it's still... It sort of creates like the skid marks on your soul along yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you still feel like the the impact of yeah. it, even if you're not retaining any information. Like it's it, in fifty years or a hundred years, they're gonna look back and go, "What were these fucking what morons doing? doing? What, what were, were doing? these people doing?" I know. Yeah. Why were it's like what, we look back and like, why did they have mercury in glass? Like yeah. why was lead in glass? Yeah, yeah, what the yeah, fuck yeah. were these people thinking? Yeah. That's the, that's our Instagram. Instagram, like social media, is lead in glass, basically <laughs> in, in in fifty years. Yeah. I would imagine. But it's also a great tool. You know, it's 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 a double edged sword. It is when it's well, it's like anything. It's like you know, uh, anything can be used positively yeah. or negatively, and if you yeah. you know, but just. Unfortunately, a lot of times people can't have nice things and things get misused. But, you know, in general, everything, you know, it should be. It should be all good. Yeah. But uh, what are you, just as we're wrapping this up, what are you, what are you joyful about in your world right now? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I am, I mean, I've been talking about how busy I am, but I think that's something that I'm actually really, really, really happy with. I mean, I... I love having a full calendar. I like, you know, I, I don't know if you're watching that Joan Rivers documentary. She's like, oh my god, a piece of flipping. work. Yeah, yes. She flips through her calendar and she goes, "This is my biggest fear," and it's a month where there's nothing on the page. Yeah. And while, while I was watching, I was like, God, that seems like my biggest dream right now. But like, truly, I feel like having a purpose and having something to do and having something to be responsible for I think is something I'm actually really grateful for and it's making me very happy I sometimes wish I had more free time but um, that I'm getting to do things that I love doing and I have things that I'm looking forward to this year um, I'm it makes me very very happy and I have you know a healthy family and a great marriage and um, you know these are all things that I wished for 11 years ago and I'm thrilled that as the series is wrapping up that I have it more so than ever. And do you feel? Because I imagine you know how the show ends. I don't know if I do. Actually. Oh, you don't really. I kind of have an idea of where it might be heading, but yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing that you don't sure quite know. know yet. Yeah, and you're four four episodes out. Four episodes out. Um, the Joan Rivers thing. I, I have such mixed. I lo- I knew Joan and I adored yeah. her, and um, and you know if she hadn't passed away in such an unnatural way i feel like she'd still be on stage one thousand percent and so i have a i have a real struggle with just for how i kind of view things for myself personally because i totally get the you know if i'm not working all the time do i exist thing Mm -hmm. um 
I don't know if that's entirely healthy to that degree, yeah. but at the same time, it kept her so active so vital, and yeah. vital and vibrant and young because she yeah. was so curious and because she craved engagement yeah. and that had that curiosity that it, you know, as opposed to like if she if she was just someone who was like, oh, you know, at 55, I was in my pajamas every day yeah. and then she would have turned into an old person real fast. Absolutely. It kept her it kept young. Her yeah. And so I just have a real I don't know. I, I don't know. But I look at her and she's someone who I admired so greatly. And I, I did get to know her a little bit in her last few years. And um, I just look I she's she's a role model. And I, I, I look at why she was as successful as she was and as vibrant as she was at, at her age. And I think you, you're absolutely right. I think it's because she kept herself busy and relevant. And that was her doing. I mean, mm-hmm. she kept herself through so many ups and downs, like so many, so many points in her career where people were like, "You're done," and she's like, "Fuck you, I'm not," and yeah. just wrote it out and 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 pulled it off, Absolutely. you know, every time. Yeah. But it also shows you that, given enough time, there's gonna be like a sine wave of ups and downs in it. But if you can just sort of stay in the game the whole yeah. time, you know, yeah. it, it nets out. No, I'm. She, she was sort of like looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. You, yeah. But I just, I just worry about like. You know, that sort of um, relationship to work where it's like you rely so much on that to sort of feel like, yes. you, like you exist. I never want it to define me, but right. I want it. I, I like that I have it there to keep me busy and to, um, uh, yeah, I mean, give me opportunity. I feel like, it, I feel like work keeps me creative mm-hmm. in a way that I think uh, I'm not always feeling creative. I think I, I can I can definitely settle into wanting to just stay home and open a bottle of wine and watch TV. And I think I, 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 I don't fire on all my, my um, synapses when I, when I sit like that for too long. So. No, being sedentary is the word. Yeah. You're just like yeah. your brain, st- the gears stop and they start yeah. to rust. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. You, you, you come back from vacation and you just have to get back into work mode. And you're like, yeah. oh, that, oh, that's right. Oh yeah, I, I got to be on. You yeah. know, everything's got to start again. But yeah, I, I I miss her. I adored her so much. Do you too. fucking believe that in her mid to late seventies, she was flying to L.A. every fucking week to do Fashion Police? Yeah, because she just wanted to live in New York. Yeah, so she'd fly back and forth I every know. week and was so nice to everyone. God damn it! I know it was really unfortunate. I um, I actually went to her shiva, and um, we were we were we were shooting Modern Family in the. Um, Palisades, and she, she and Melissa live very close mm-hmm. to the Palisades. So I had about three, two hours off from from work, and I said, "I'm going to go over to a, a friend Shiva. Um, it's like five minutes away. I'll I'll be back in like you know 45 minutes." So I get to the house, and Melissa greets me at the door, and I, I you know, the, the Kathy Griffin's there, and like her whole family's there, and it was full of all these people who loved her. And it was I, I get a text from Modern Family saying we actually pushed your scene. Uh, we need you back in like 15 minutes. I was like, great, I'm gonna go. I'm, I have, it's five minutes away. So I get up to go, and right as I'm I'm getting up to leave, the rabbi stands up at the front door <laughs> and starts speaking about Joan Rivers, oh. and it's the only exit. Oh, and so Kathy Griffin's standing next to me. And she, I'm showing her the text, and she goes, "Oh my god, this is this is fucking hilarious. This is Joan Rivers literally <laughs> playing <laughs> jokes, with fuck, fucking with you right now." <laughs> and she's like helping me try and find a back entrance, and, and like nothing. <laughs> so I'm texting Modern Family in a frenzy, like I'm stuck at a shiva, I'm trapped at the shiva, I'm trapped at Joan Rivers' shiva. Can someone give this guy the yeah, light? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Guy, give 
give him the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll wrap up. Okay, I'll wrap. God. I'll wrap up the shiva. That's really sweet, though. I'm glad yeah. you were able to go experience yeah. that. I, I, you know, I've run into you at events a handful of times, and and I don't think we've ever really had a lengthy conversation, but. It's hard at those. It is really hard. It's always loud, and it's like yeah. you, you, especially when you don't really know people. You're like, I don't. How do I know what yeah, to ask about? Exactly. It's nice enough just to say hi, but I have to say, you've always you've always made me feel like I already knew you. And, <laughs> and like nice. I would I would say to Lydia, like I'm a, I feel like. I feel like an asshole. Like, did I have I hung out with him before? And I didn't. And I don't remember. Like, right. what's wrong? Because you're just always like, hey man, how's it? You know, yeah. like there's a party, la- some party last year that I, I ran into you, and you just you. I don't know. There's just a friendly familiarity that uh, that I always really appreciated. And so it's sort of in those situations where I have always automatically just felt kind of wildly uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. There are a handful of people that if I see and you're one of them, like, oh, I feel like yeah, yeah. I feel okay. <laughs> oh, I love that you if, said that. If he's, I, a, if he's here, I feel okay. That's very sweet to say because I'm always looking for those people myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> the anchors. Yeah. They're like the little buoys yeah. in this sort, of, this sort of weird. And it's all like self-generated. Like those things 100%. are what they are. But yeah. it is just sort of nice to feel like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. There's some people here. Yeah, some I people, can, yeah. people here I can do. You can always tell like all the comedians will cluster over yeah, in yeah, one yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. And just be you can always count on me to be that. I appreciate that. I'll thank be your, you so I'll be your, much. Uh, your lighthouse. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you for being here. Is there anything else you want to promote? Do you want to promote um, uh, any of the activist work you're doing? Is well, and there- uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, to tie the knot is a foundation that me and my husband started. Oh, with uh, Tie Bar, right? Yeah, with the Tie Bar, exactly. Yeah. And we started it initially to. Um, work toward marriage equality. Um, when we started, there was about, I think, 10 or 11 states in, in the United States that had marriage equality. And we were basically just selling bow ties and all the proceeds from the bow ties uh, came to tie the knot. And we, in turn, gave them to organizations that were in the trenches fighting for marriage equality. And then, you know, we won marriage equality about uh, six years ago, seven years ago. And now we're continuing to raise money to just protect those um, those rights that we fought so hard for. So, uh, tie the knot is our foundation and uh, it's going really strong we've raised almost over a million dollars to date just on the sale of bow ties that's so. fantastic and yeah. by the way a bow tie is a good investment it is everyone needs a bow tie everyone needs a bow tie they you know bow ties are great because they can be super formal or they can still be casual yeah. at the same time yeah. it's a good accessory so everyone should support uh, marriage equality should support tie the knot and just support bow ties in just general just support bow ties in general and I have a <laughs> I have a bow tie tutorial online you could watch it. It's more comedy driven, but it's still very useful. Still never been able to tie a bow tie on my own. Watch my tutorial. I will do it. Thank you so much. <laughs> the All end. Right, thanks, Chris. Thank you. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. 